Talking Space America. I'm Ian. And I'm Liz. And today, our first guest is the wonderful, super awesome Jonathan Venegoni. Hi. Hi, Oh, John. that's so nice. Thank you for flattering me before I start talking. Yeah, <laughs> we love you. Oh. Thanks for coming by, buddy. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited about it. I uh, Hopefully, my lack of sleep will translate well. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think they'll just make you even funnier. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your backstory? From whence do you hail? And all that? <laughs> well, like uh, St. Louis born and raised around it, like North County-ish area. Then I went to like high school, like more formative years out in, out in the West suburbs, like Chesterfield area. Gotcha. Then I went to Mizzou and then I came back and lived in the city. Cool. Yeah. What'd you study at Mizzou? Uh, music and English. So nice. that, yeah. Speaking our languages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. It really paid off. Yeah, I was really. going to say two degrees that will guarantee you lucrative employment. Exactly. Uh, Did you have a focus within both? <laughs> I started with music ed, but then I got out of it. It was just kind of like, I didn't you really- You hurt your hand, right? I did. Yeah, I did hurt my hand really bad, but I kept my scholarship through it. When I was like 20 or so, it was just like a bad, it was a, it was a drunk bar fight actually. Yeah, and the, these knuckles ended up like back to my, like, I'm, I'm gesturing like people listening would be able to see what I'm doing. <laughs> and a uh, doctor told me I'd never make a fist ever again, but totally can do that. Kept the scholarship. Oh, I had a scholarship on tuba. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, hold yourselves back, guys. I don't know if you guys, you guys hip to tubas? No. I'm not as much anymore. I mean, I was in, in high school band. Yes. And, and, What'd you play, man? Um, I played alto sax. Ooh. And then uh, I- Love me a good sax. When I got yeah. out of orchestra, I moved into jazz band and played bass in jazz band. Very nice. It started with sax and jazz band, and I was like, but no, I have these two basses that I want to play, so yeah. deal with it. Fellow bassist, man. Right. Yeah. Whenever people are like, oh, you play music, what do you play? I always say bass first. I never like lead with tuba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, actually, I play yeah. the tuba. Yeah. What do like, you think wow. now? <laughs> wow. Oh, John, you're so sexy. Yeah, with that tuba. Wow. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tubist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. It's not flutist, flautist. Flautist. You know? Yeah, tubist. But yeah, I did that. And uh, Did you do just yeah. like orchestra stuff? I played in symphonic band. I never did the marching band in college because I did it in high school. And that was enough. Yes. Yeah, same. And I still hung out with those those kids and stuff. Went to those band parties every now and then and everything. Those they, they, they partied. Yeah. They're still very excitable people though. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes, like they band are. kids. Yeah. So excitable. They're great. Loved them. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I did the, my favorite gig though at Mizzou was playing in the University Philharmonic though. Being the tubist in that if you're a lazy ass and love doing drugs in college like I did, um, <laughs> the Philharmonic was whenever you got to play was the most rewarding experience because I mean it's just a symphony orchestra. It's just yeah. the most That's grandiose, awesome. you know, yeah. uh, timbre to play. And I mean, it can do anything. It can yeah. do everything and nothing at the same time with so many people and it's in Dolbashian the um, conductor of that group like got lessons from Leonard Berenstein so like, he's pretty good I wow. guess you know what I mean he was it was a impressive thing and, and I just liked watching him and there are certain rehearsals where I was tacit most of it but I just loved hearing him talk he was he didn't say good things he said things good you yeah, know what I right? mean yeah yeah but uh yeah, like the the Philharmonic was great too because a tuba it can be a loud instrument, and then yeah. you're going up against just some light woodwinds and some some violins, <laughs> cellos, <laughs> right. violas, basses, and then you get to like it's like a, like a Wagner symphony, so bah, like at the end of it, and <laughs> yeah. so you could like blow out the whole orchestra. That was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were certain times where it's like, nope, I like the way Venegoni sounds here. You guys gotta play louder. There's like this <laughs> motherfucker, like looking. Yeah, it was fun. I also played in like uh you know jazz combos and shit like that. Right. And, 
twenties. Yeah, it, it was it was good, and like college probably didn't pay off as much for me, but it paid off. Like I guess emotionally, it taught me to be more independent. It taught me yeah. how to be broke. It taught me how to like make friends in a new place and how to you know fend for myself. It was yeah, yeah, was life good. lessons. Yeah, because sure. I am emotionally independent on my family, but it taught me that it's okay to be away. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. When did you move to bass? So I started trumpet, and then I started learning bass when I was like 15, because my friend Alex played bass, and I played his, and I was like, oh, this I got to do this. This yeah. is me. And I got this really shitty one, started playing that. I got a better one when I was like 17, and then I got a better, better one when I was selling drugs. I, I used drug money to buy it <laughs> back hey, in the day. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're investing in something it. that you know, <laughs> brings you happiness. So, yeah, it was actually trumpet, bass, then tuba. Oh, okay. Yeah. And okay. then, like, with, with a but bass tuba was the money guitar. maker. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for scholarship, yeah, yeah. Really, they gave me money every semester, you know, so more so than bass has. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that's kind of sad. I still haven't accomplished anything. That's always <laughs> good to And remember. then uh, did you have a focus within your English major? Oh, uh, no, it was, uh, I just did a minor in English. So, oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Hey, I was like, oh, I've taken a lot of these classes. Sweet, I got to take one more lit class, and I have yeah. a... Yeah. So, uh, you're in a band. Yeah. The Educated Guests? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Question mark? Are you but guys still actively performing? We're not. Uh, we're actually on a bit of a hiatus. Brian Pincus, our drummer, he's really important uh, with Anheuser-Busch. He's like a, an engineer for them. And they moved awesome. him to Switzerland. Oh, shit. What? Yeah, he and his wife. And, oh, yeah, she also works for Anheuser-Busch. Like, they're they're both just young and successful. They're amazing people. Wow. But, yeah, and, and Brian is What's just such like? a wonderful... Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? They're, they're amazing. <laughs> they, their Facebook pictures, I'm so jealous. I'm like, oh, my God. They're like, oh, just hanging out next to this, like, Glacial Mountain Lake. Right. Uh, eating eating cheese and you know watching beautiful cows walk by like what but anyways yeah brian's just he's so awesome and it's hard to play music it's hard to imagine playing without him just like the way that he played he's really good it's like the way he plays it's just perfect and as a bassist i just get to lean on him it's amazing it's a super i mean and and also one of the reasons we're on hiatus too is i think charlie's just kind of taking a bit of a break charlie brumley is the lead singer writer arranger of everything he is a machine i mean he writes for a 14 piece ensemble and then not to mention on on albums and stuff we still have you know like full string sections and stuff like that so wow he's just a really hard working ambitious guy and so like lush with his voicings it's kind of like a Motowny 60s pop type of deal but we're just you know, we're, we're efficient like Charlie makes really good uh, detailed chord sheets uh, that are all planned out measure by measure he gives us wow. a, a demo recording of what the melody <clears> sounds <throat> like and so you can actually show up to rehearsal the first time kind of knowing it yeah and you know sometimes I'll have a baseline in mind it'll take me a couple times to learn it but it's one of those things that we just all respected each other's you know like knowing that hey you will practice because you care about this band so we didn't ever have any drama like you know we're a bit of a slave driver in rehearsals it's just like hour and a half to two hours and one and done we do yeah. one a week when people are like we got to practice four times a week it's like well you should probably just get better on your own a little bit too like that's <laughs> right yeah and that's also kind of like if you want to get good at a thing that's collaborative practicing that outside of the time that you're with each other is the only way that you're going to get better like it's like sex right yes that's exactly where i was going with this yeah but it, it's fun though like i do miss it i'm not gonna lie there is a little bit of a hole in my heart you know not being able to play with them as much uh, but i know it'll happen again one day charlie is a machine he's got multiple albums already written in voice just yeah. away just he's just the most organized there. guy so hardworking. like he's he'll, he'll come back and want to play with me one day yeah. and uh that'll be great yeah that's all and it I'll is i'll be there yeah <laughs> I've, I've luckily been able to fill my heart with other stuff though like fatal bus accident and yeah how about we talk know. about that oh yeah. my gosh what are you filling yeah. your heart with 
I want to hear how you explain Fatal Bus Accident. We've had both Jeremy and Amy on the show before. Okay. And I feel like everyone explains it a little bit differently. I, I will call it a sketch comedy show with, uh, with stand-up uh, segments. But basically, we write a play every other month. So uh, Level what, what, is, what is your role in Fatal Bus Exit? I'm a cast member. I'm also the house band. I play the music. I use my loop pedal. I use this badass vocoder that I bought recently. Uh, awesome. My iPad in my mouth to make music. And then you do stand-up also? Yeah. So yeah, how, how's the end up going for you? Good. I It's with Fatal Bus Accident because it, it is a lot of work for that. And it's actually, it's like the favorite thing that I do. Uh, Jeremy Stryker and Amy are some of my most dearest friends that I've ever met. And uh, they're all amazing writers. And I've learned so much from them. I, I, it's like, I get teary thinking about it. Like, I'm so like, how did I get this? You know, how did I get this dang gig? You know, and um it kind of started out as a joke. I know I'm probably not even answering your question. I just I just ramble. Sorry, lack of sleep. No, it's fine. It, it felt so good. Like when uh, originally I was just supposed to be kind of like, oh, our goofy, you know, guest uh, house band, John. Yeah. And then I was just, there was a couple, because it wasn't that well planned of a first show. There was just a couple moments and I started saying shit. And then it was kind of fun because then we developed like a banter back and forth. And then they were like, okay, you'll just be the house band going forward. And then I didn't write much for it. And I was still just saying stupid shit, but then they're like, why don't we develop John as a character? And then they started forcing me to go to rehearsals and writing <laughs> sessions. Too. No, I, it's awesome. Like I said, they're some of the best writers I've ever met, and they still take my points of view seriously, and, and, and they collaborate with me. They're all so wonderful at compromise. I mean, we get into some pretty nasty arguments sometimes, but it, it always makes up because we, we have a pretty good ability to take ourselves outside of the situation or be like, let's rest on this and come back to it. And, and they've even accepted, you know, some of my tweaks to scenes, like let's do it this way or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it feels good because I've been, I feel like I've been increasing more with my collaboration, but I, I'm happy to be a part of it. So John used to be in charge of the open mic at Fitz's. <laughs> you did that for years and years. Almost five years. Yeah. yeah. Right around five. And then someone else took over and then it died. Andrew Mahalovich, my roommate, and Ryan Dalton, who at the time was my roommate, they took it over. They tried their best, but that show, though, you had to constantly be fighting for it. And yeah. also, like, the owners were just kind of eventually, like, fed up with it. Like, oh, sorry for a bar crowd on Thursdays, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's beautiful. It, it worked yeah. out well. It's like, you know, let's call it because I had done it for that long. It was so cool to have a show that way. But doing a weekly show, goddamn, dude, it is... It drains your soul. It's too much. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> it helped to kind of get my my name out there. It gave me a little mark on the St. Louis scene map. And and I have a lot of pride in knowing that there's a lot of cats right now that are doing really good around town that I put up for the first time in my mic. And, and that feels that feels good. They're yeah, like your babies. That's yeah. awesome. They're not my babies. They are their own autonomous <laughs> people. And they're all very they're talented their on their own. But, you know, it's, it's one of those cool things to think. that was like, man, I was the first one that did that. Because I remember the first man that ever gave me me stage time yeah uh his name is dan friesen and he's in chicago he's a wonderful guy uh it was at the east side tavern in columbia missouri mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the as you name comedy show and uh i tried it like on a whim one night like i was i was all caffeined out and studying and writing a bunch of papers and bullshit and everything like that and uh I was outside chain smoking, you know, and, and uh, with one of my old friends, and he was like, hey, I'm going to this open mic at Eastside Tavern, and I was like, they just let anybody try it? Like, I'd always watched <laughs> comedy as a kid, and then I was away from my band at the time, and 
I went and tried it and I showed up and I was like, Hey man, can you put me on? He's like, well, you got to sign up the week before. And I'm like, I know it's weird, but can I really, I just want to try it for a couple of minutes. I just have this weird, I, I got to do this. And he was like, okay, you'll go first and you'll do two minutes. I was like, yes. And I wrote some bullshit on a napkin and I'm sure I ate 25 bowls of dicks, but it felt so good <laughs> when I, when I did it, like I was so happy because it's like all the success and failure is all on me. Like it was just this Music was my first love, but I guess comedy was like the side girl that I fell in love with. You know, yeah. it's like I, I haven't I haven't stopped loving some. So you just you got into it just kind of on a whim. Then you weren't Absolutely. you never were like you know I I like funny people. I want to be funny, kind of a. So from there, like, did you then start doing it regularly, or did you have like a break before you started like actually diving into it? I, I think I signed up for the next week. I, I kind of did that show. It was uh you know a couple times a month because it's a weekly thing, and sometimes they're like, oh, there's more people that signed up. You you didn't get on this week. But, you know, after you kind of show, you know, your head from your ass, you're kind of more likely to get spots there and stuff like that. And um, it was good for learning, but it got me in some bad habits, though, too, because it's a wonderful show. Like, it's like a wonderful nursery of an audience. They're just so cool and accepting and they'll go like further with their imagination and everything. But it got you into bad habits because you're like, oh, I'm going to write a new set every week. And it's like, no, 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 dude, work on shit. Get shit good. (laughs) And it took me like more than a year into it to realize that shit. And then. I got back to St. Louis. I was like, well, I've, I did this one show uh, a couple times a month, so I'm probably pretty good at comedy. And I showed him, did the open mic at Funny Bone, and I saw, like, Joe Murray and, like, Greg Warren and Steve Pogey and, like, you know, even Frankie Chubb and all those guys, like, go up. And I was like, oh, boy, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> it was like, I am not good at this. But it, it, it took a lot of push, and it's really satisfying to, like, suddenly then transition to, like, getting paid for it eventually, you know? Yeah. Would you want to be like full time? I think now since I've been doing Fatal Bus Accident, I would almost I would almost prefer that. Like that'd yeah. be cool to, to produce like a show. That'd be so much fun um, or write a show. But, you know, that's going to be that's a long that's a long way away. I think I don't yeah. know. In, in comedy is great, but like being like a start and road comic, oof, like I'd almost want one of those cushy gigs where it's like somebody kind of either famous or semi-famous is like, hey, follow hey, me around for 10 gigs. And it's like, right, yeah, yes, yes, all right. I will totally do that. Regular money, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, though, is I like things and paying my bills too much and stuff like that. And so I, I got to eventually make that decision. But totally. mm. let's talk about love and lust. Was love and lust your first experience in the podcasting world? I've always just done conversational ones. Like this. Yeah, exactly. With other the other creators, the other artists, <laughs> creators. <laughs> yes. Now, have, you, have you had a podcast of your own or has it been like you've just been guest to like things like in company or comedy versus everything or. Yeah. Yeah. I've just been the guest of it. I've never done voice acting. I've done like a couple like Webster student films and mm. sketches and stuff like that. I've, I guess I act a little bit, but I'm not, I don't consider myself an actor, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun though, because it was acting without having to emote as much. And I was relying all on my voice because yeah. a lot of times I will rely on just, hey, I kind of walk goofy. Look at me. Ha, ha, ha. Your body language and your movements and all that. I can't do that as much with it. It's a lot of fun, though. I like it. Yeah. Are you enjoying playing your role of Mark? I am. I'm excited to see how it, uh, you know, the you know, the plot continues with him and everything like that. Um, hopefully my broiness is good enough. I'm always afraid that it sounds too phoned in as a bro. You know, I, I wanted to feel like a, this guy is a bro, but he's, ah, he's, he's what a doofus, you know, <laughs> we refer to Jack a lot as a doofus, but I think Mark has his doofiness as well. Like, Definitely. And that's why those two are BFFs. Like, <laughs> they both got that broiness happening, but he kind of completes his, uh, Jack's introvertedness and stuff yeah. too, though, you yeah. know, He's kind of like his bulldog a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
I had done voiceovers <laughs> before, though. It wasn't voice acting, though. I did, you know Chris Ward? Uh-huh. He does that show Loud, Quiet, Loud on KDHX. Yeah. And, uh, and if you ever listen to it, like whenever you're like, you're now in the mi- 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 mix with Chris Ward. Like that's like, <laughs> a, like all the, the, a lot of his little like pads are. Remind going back, nice. and and there was this really funny one. Like we we uh, we got high one day, and we were like just recording <laughs> these voiceovers, and I was like. Chris suggested, he's like, what if it was like a, you know, like a 100 song countdown? I was like, the thousand song countdown. I was like, you're listening to the thousand song countdown. That was number 747. Here's number 746. Like, <laughs> like, could you imagine like listening to that old program? Like, like a, a thousand songs with that's an so asshole in songs. between. Yeah. That's like a, that's one of the la- layers of hell. I'm sure. You know, having <laughs> Definitely. To listen to that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's all the same song, you know? Oh, de- absolutely. Yeah. So I've, I've done that before, but this is my first voice acting thing. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear how you guys correct all of my <clears throat> and my wiggles and stuff. I'm so That's all sorry. Daniel. So sorry, Daniel. That's all Daniel. Yeah. He's a wizard. He is a he wizard. Is. Um, <laughs> so Uh-oh. you're a musician. Sorry, excuse yeah. <laughs> excuse <you? laughs> and you. Like, and you like music. Do you have a sexy time playlist? Do I have a sexy? Actually, I do not have a sexy time playlist. <laughs> have you ever had one? Or if, you, or if you're going to curate one right now, what are some songs you would want to be on there? Women the that, women that I have, that like women that I have dated, if we were to be making love, because I'm I'm a pure soul. No, you know, I think I'm just going to name songs that I just really love that are just good love songs, you know, because, sure. you know, some I love that song Crazy Love by Van Morrison. I think that's a, that's a cool song. You know, that's uh, Van Morrison's always very uh, atmospheric, you know, mm-hmm. I mean. Anything soul is good, yeah. but then also like, does that mean like I'm a, I'm appropriating when I'm making love? You know, it's like <laughs> that's that's our fucking music. You know, like not your fuck. Go listen to Hank Williams, Whitey. Right? Is that? <laughs> should I always feel like fuck. that might be an issue? Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of something a sexier song. I can't really like think of too many more. Well. <laughs> yeah, see, and then I'd be like, this is now now phoning it in too much. Like yeah. then I then I'd, if, if if I think a playlist would distract me from my boner. I want whatever <laughs> infomercial came on after the late show that we were watching to just be in the background and then after a while just realize like, man, oh my god, I'm getting a blowjob and it's the uh it's the it's the sham wow. Right? It's, uh, have you ever had that happen? Isn't that the thing? You guys haven't had that happen before? No, not not that exact thing. Yeah, me no. neither. That's that'd be so weird. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Why would I? Why would that have happened to me? <laughs> a lot of good songs. Uh, Rosanna by Toto. That's a good one. It's like one of my favorite songs of all time. Rosanna. That bass line in the chorus. Ooh, I take you all the way. But dig it a bam bam. Oh, it's oh, so yeah. cool. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> only bassist know Liz. Yeah, it's only, you, ba- only bassist. You wouldn't get it. That's Slap a good bassist thing. <laughs> it's like it's like a Jeep thing, but it's with basses. <laughs> yeah. This is a question that we ask a lot <laughs> on um, Good Morning Space America. But okay. uh, do you have a favorite sci-fi universe? Do you have a favorite story, film, comic? I, I've read I've read all the Harry Potter books. I, I love the Wizarding World. Like I, one thing I always loved is whenever I do read a Harry Potter book that I have dreams about doing magic. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, also like I never read the books, but I liked the movies, like the the Narnia movies. <laughs> you liked the movies? Yeah, I liked the movies. Yeah, but I thought it was just weird though that like the, you know it's all these animals that are doing good, you know, in this, yeah. in this kingdom, and of course the humans are fucking it up, you know. Yeah. Classic humans. Yeah, humans go in there and like. And, and what a human thing to do is like to project, project like, oh, if these animals are peacefully living together, they must have an organized hierarchy where some get more than others. You know, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, man, they're just animals. I, I, I prefer Marvel over DC. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the movies are way better, too. Uh, yeah, also I, true. I had very limited comic book exposure as a kid. My brother gave me, like, a whole collection, and I just, I kind of squandered it. I didn't really care that much about it. I paged through a couple, and I'm like, yeah. I'm glad you're into it. Thanks for the, yeah. Thanks for sharing with me. I don't but, sit still. Like, yeah, why would right, I read right, comic yeah. books? So, so uh, what about, like, Star Wars, Star Trek? Um, I, I love Star Wars, and, and the thing is, though, Probably, I, I hope that you just don't hate me for this because I know that you're you're just more of a you're probably more of a diehard either way. But uh. the thing is, though, I still like the newer movies. I still like them. Even do you mean like the ones happening right now or the ones, the ones happening, happening when we right were now. like kids? Yeah, like the episode movies. Episode one sucked, but I actually still kind of enjoyed myself with two and three because I'm like, oh, this is important plot stuff. But it, it, there's a lot of inconsistencies, especially the Han Solo movie too. Yeah, really, really pissed me off because like, when was this? Ah, yeah, weirdest thing. Yeah, but. Uh, Star Wars is amazing, and they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to entertain me, and I'm just happy with what I get because I'm a grateful person. You know? I feel the same way most of the time, too. Yeah, some choo-choo, awesome. That's exactly what I wanted. Thank you. Yeah, right? And then, and then, and John Williams. And then, and then it's over. Yeah. Like, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I think he just gave us Star Wars in like, yeah. a nutshell yeah. right there. That's what the whole series is. I mean, that's my it. understanding. <laughs> yeah, anyways. anyway. <laughs> Uh, John, you just always come across as a very positive person. Oh. But when you're feeling down, is there something that brings you back up? Oh, thank you. Um, uh, naps. Naps help. Naps. Naps are good. Also doing something for yourself. Treat yourself mentality kind of a thing. Treat yourself. Treat yeah, self-care. Yeah, self-care. Treat yourself however you view it. Do something nice for yourself. I recently I did a little traveling. Sometimes when I do traveling and I get back, I get depressed. It's a, yeah. it's a weird thing because it's just it's, a lot it's of... A, it's a come down from it, for yeah. sure. It, yeah, it's like the bliss of traveling. Now it's like, oh, now I'm back home, the old yeah. ball and chain, the city I live in. Yep. And <laughs> I, I got to clean up after myself now. Yeah. And <laughs> stupid... Uh, <laughs> Recently, I, I I did get back from from New York and and I I was really blue and on my birthday I worked and then the day after my birthday though is uh you know I I had been back for a few days but I still was kind of like Ugh, I miss yeah. New York then on that Wednesday I took the day off after my birthday and I went and got like a good like a nice beard trim and I bought myself a pair of shoes and I know that like that stuff is still just like things but like. I probably normally would have just sat around, you know, yeah. like, oh, I can, I can nap and watch TV and stuff. But I, I went out and got a couple of things done and I felt so much better. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like naps that. Uh, talk to my mom, you know. Like, yeah. My mom was awesome. And, and my dad, like my whole family is just awesome. Being around them makes me feel, feel whole. So, yeah. For someone who's new to the comedy scene, do you have a piece of advice to a new person? Yeah. Record yourself and listen to it. It's the hardest thing. You got to get used to the sound of your own voice. Yeah. I still absolutely hate mine. Everyone does. <clears throat> I hate how I sound, but you, you got to learn to listen because you got it. That's the only tool you got. Your short term memory is your biggest enemy. So write shit down quick, it, be it in your notes and then try to develop them. I'm a hypocrite here because I'm lazy. <laughs> um, also, like when people give you advice, take the advice with a grain of salt. Take what you can from the advice. At the end of the day, you're not going to be able to do it the same way somebody else did. Sure. Uh, and also start shows. Quit being cowards. Get out there and start a show. Get the abuse. Make weekly shows. Make opportunities for your friends. Your friends help to give you opportunities then. And then also you get your face out there and you entertain people. Bring joy to people's lives. Get out there and do it. People get tired of it. I can't do it anymore. Come on, somebody else pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make more shows for me, new comics. See what I did there? It was very self-serving advice. <laughs> that's it. That, that's my 12, seven pieces of advice. 
Yeah, <laughs> I totally. do. I like nice, even, prime numbers. So you all can find John around town in a different comedy show, is Fatal Bus Accident, and listening to him on the Calamity Cast Network at uh, Love and Lust. So. Wonderful. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Good times. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Thank yeah, thank you so much. Woo. Love you. Bye. Bye. So when we get back, we will have Brian McClellan in the studio, who is a local videographer extraordinaire and frontman for local indie band Woe Thunder. Stay Woo-hoo! tuned. Will Jack. The gym-loving male nurse hottie managed to win the heart of the spunky blue-haired web designer Maggie? Join us every other week to discover if this unlikely pair will have their happily ever after or fizzle out in the end. Love and Lust Season 1 is coming to ClamityCast.com or wherever you find your podcast. Spring 2018. And we're back. Uh, with us now is Brian McClelland. Thank you so much for joining us um, in the studio. Oh, thanks for having me. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Tell us about yourself, b uh, That's the biggest open-ended question. I know, right? Yeah. What's, that... well, so, what's... Uh... I've, I've never met you before. What, what, what's three things yeah. I should know about you? Oh, well, first of all, I worship the devil. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, the second Same. of all... Also worship the devil. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third is, uh, I'm from St. Louis. Cool, cool. let's get married. Nice. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm Brian McClellan. I'm, I'm been in bands around the scene for like twenty something years. Currently in a band called Woe Thunder. Whoa. Woe Thunder, yeah. And also, I play solo shows under Brian McClellan's New Thunder, which is was a joke at first, and I thought oh, I'll run with it. And also, I'm a filmmaker. I make music videos and mini mini docs and things like that. Cool. So I spend a lot of time out of town shooting that stuff. And I'm also my day job for all these years has been a 911 dispatcher. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, no shit. I did not know that yeah, about so you. So I have only a few years left before I can retire and get that pension, and then just be doing video all the time. So that's the plan. Yeah, dope. Got like less than five years in. That's that amazing. A, that is freaking sweet. Oh, it isn't. <laughs> that it's close. Not yeah, oh, yeah. The, not the I'm very glad it's so. close. Yeah, oh, I can only imagine got, the crazy uh, things you've heard. Uh, 25 years into that job right now, so. Goodness I've gracious sakes alive. Yeah. I, 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 I wipe it, though. I try not to. I don't have no good stories. Okay, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that. I don't like that. to talk about it. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> so fine. we will not. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, so you you mentioned Woe Thunder and yeah. also No Thunder. Yeah. You, been around the St. Louis scene for quite a while. Sure. What was your first For Realsies band? For Realsies is like a band that played out in venues, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, my first band was in high school. It was called The Sterile Puppies. <laughs> and a song we did in that band was called Satan Makes Me Donuts. I wrote that one. Nice. It was real good. It was real good. <laughs> I do love donuts. My first band that actually played venues and stuff was called Hotel Faux Pas, which I was in for like 10 years from okay. like 91 to like 2002 or something. And I played bass in that, and I sang as the second singer and the second songwriter. Um, Larry O'Neill was like the main singer-songwriter guy, and that's kind of where I learned how to write songs in, gotcha. in, in that in that band. But we also played in that band, Satan Makes Me Donuts, <laughs> and brought that in from the high school years. That's how silly that band was. They were cool <laughs> with awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of donuts would Satan make you? Like, um, just, well, just kind of. They talked about the... him in the song, but I don't. I want the. F- with peanuts and guacamole, I think is the line. So they aren't real donuts. They're like weird, bizarre, satanic donuts. What Man. donuts would you want to eat? Uh, any kind of donuts are good donuts. Rage. I try not to eat that stuff as much anymore. I so 
trying yeah. so hard. I haven't Jeez. had a donut in a while, but mm-hmm. I drive past shops with some <laughs> regularity, and yeah. I just am like, you know what? If I just had one, I could. It would be fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> we never fail to talk about food for some portion of, oh, of yeah. these interviews. I think we always record right around dinner time, and even though I just ate, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> So, you, like, how did Woe Thunder come about? Well, Thunder, well, I've had, I've only fronted two bands ever. And it, the first one was uh, called The Max Tone 4. And that was like in 2003, two, like 2007. And that was like an indie guitar pop band. Not a whole lot different from Woe Thunder, except it was more like super draggy, more like less synthy, new wavy bass. And it was more like early 2000s kind of guitar indie pop, but also a little bit influenced by early 80s Rick Springfield. Because that's in there because I can't help it. Nice. <laughs> I just can't help that. But uh, yeah, so Wolf Thunder just came about. I was in uh, Taipan Syndrome and I was in right, middle class yeah, fashion. Yeah. And I thought, I need more bands. So, <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. So I was, I was writing <laughs> songs them. for Taipans, but there's a very specific type of song that you write for Taipan Syndrome. It's, like, yeah. it's very specific to like the pop world of that things fit. I mean, you can do a lot of different things with it, but the stuff I was wanting to do was a little bit, a little bit different. So I just put together this band with my, my wife at the time and our friend. And we just started like, they weren't musicians. The project was, I was going to try to take non-musicians and we were going to meet every week and we were going to teach them instruments while I write this album. So it made me write songs that were slower because okay. I'm hyperactive. So everything I was writing was really like, it's really fast. <laughs> so it got me writing songs that were a lot slower. And I assumed, you know, within a year or so, we'd be play like open mics. Then a year after that, maybe yeah. I, mean, I was looking at the long haul. Sure. And we were, we did this for a few years and I, and I made the record and I ended up like having to record most of the parts myself. And then after a while, they just realized like, yeah, I don't think we want to play shows. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I wish you had told me that because I'd have finished this record like four years ago. <laughs> Oh, man. But I did. I, I finished it then. And uh, so they actually, they're credited on the album, like they're on the, the album art and everything, but they have vocals on They did a lot of vocals on there. The, okay. like really great kind of twee girl vocals are just fantastic. But uh, none of their instrumentation actually made it on the, on the record. But yeah, that was that project. It started out as that. And then at that point when I made the record, I was no longer uh, married to that person that was in the band anyway. But I just started putting a band together, mm-hmm. and then that became like the first couple lineups. And I started trying to do the project still where... I was trying to get some non-musicians in there and, and, and kind of teach them things. And I realized after a while, like, that just slows everything down. Yeah. And you can never play shows. You can never add new songs. So I said, you know what? After that light up, it kind of fizzled out. I said, let's just have band musicians <laughs> right. that can play instruments <laughs> and can learn a song in one practice. Imagine you know? that. It's Imagine a novel that. concept. Yeah. So, and then that, the first lineup I had after that, when I figured that I was like the lineup that I had for most of the last few years, which was like Mick Boshans and we had Surya Conway for a while and, and uh, Dan Meehan and those guys. So that was like the lineup that was fantastic. It was my first real good lineup of, of musicians that were like really crack and really good stuff. And um, and then now we've, we've Dan had a baby and Surya moved on with other projects. Yeah. So we have uh, some other changes. Yeah, she's super busy. Everything. She's amazing. That's pretty much that band in a nutshell. We released, uh, we were recorded an EP yeah, I was just um, last ask. year, which I'm, that's like of everything I've done. That's probably the thing I'm most proud of. It's kind of a result of this tumultuous period I had. I got uh, this divorce. I had uh, not the one I was referring to earlier, a different one. Cause I get married a bunches. <laughs> yeah. And I get divorced bunches. So and, maybe I uh, retract my proposal. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's always room for number four. <laughs> so, I guess there probably will be. Yeah. So that came out of this just horrible breakup, depression, and then that kind of fueled that group of songs, which most of my stuff before then would have some kind of 
darker themes to them, but for the most part, they were kind of peppy songs. Yeah. And, and overall, in the spirit, was really peppy. So this kind of opened up a different way of writing for me. So it was, it was, I was very thankful for it after it happened. You know, yeah. it was a hard thing to go through, but afterwards, I'm like going, oh, this is great. I can do this now. And I didn't I can do that before. And, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's, that's been kind of helpful. And that leads us to now where we, we that EP was supposed to be an LP. But as, you know, release shows go and all that stuff, we're like, oh, we booked this release show. Let's just put an EP out instead. Yeah. But I like that so much now. I kind of am into EPs now. I don't know if I want to release any more LPs. I think EPs are the way to go. The way yeah. people listen to music nowadays. I don't know if people really listen to LPs all the way through anymore. I don't know. Like I got used to, you know. But I like the uh, like the six or seven song EP. Like it's almost like a short album from like when I was a kid. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> like seven, eight songs. Yeah, that's what I'm going for now. So we might have another EP uh, later this year. We're trying to get a new bass player in, by the way. And by the way. Uh, how, how did the name Woe Thunder come about? That was actually the uh, my wife at the time who was in the band. That was that was her name. And I loved it. It was good. It's hard, it's hard to come up with a band name. It is. It really is. Actually, it was from the era of, of punctuation in band names, which yeah. I'm glad is gone. It was because originally it was Woe, comma, Thunder, exclamation point. Uh, and it was like that for a while and then when we started playing shows by the time I had put the lineup together that was already in the past but yeah I was from that era (laughs) that was the thing so speaking of music yes is there a specific song that just like will stop you in your tracks and you'll just have to like dance around to it I'm not really a dancer but I dance in in my spirit my center of gravity is too high to be a good dancer I'm very awkward I'm very gangly that's just how I am. I'm, it's my curse. I'm trying. Every girlfriend I've ever had are like, I'm going to teach you how to dance. And we talk about it, but it doesn't happen. Because <laughs> I have this weird block. But if I could dance, right now it would be uh, Lemon or any track off the new nerd record, the NERD record. Have you guys listened to that record much? Uh, not yet. It no. is fantastic. It is my favorite record of the year. It's so good. Last year, my favorite record was the Thundercat record, Drunk, which was yeah. like fantastic. Talk about bass players. We talked about him, I think, before. Yeah. What a genius bass player. But yeah, the Nerd Records, man, you can't not dance a little bit to that. I've danced a little bit to that in my version. Yeah. I've you, I host karaoke nights too for, at like some places around oh, town. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like whenever I end the night, I always put Lemon on, which is like, and it just turns into a dance party for like three songs, and everyone's passing out and they leave. So. <laughs> Sign of a good karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> karaoke is a good time. So aside from music, you know, I know you do video stuff yep. as well. Tell us a little bit about your projects there. How I got into music video really was I was involved in television production back when I was like getting out of high school. Okay. Um, and I did like, I went to this little college, uh, you know, Jefferson College. Yeah, yeah. Because they had a cable station down there. And actually via that cable station working there, I was able to get an internship at Channel 5 News. Okay. So I worked at the newsroom for like nine months, which was really cool. And then I worked at like, I was a PA at like PBS, you know, at the local channel, Channel 9. And so that was heading that direction. But then I got married when I was 18 years old. I was Damn. super dumb. I told you I like getting married. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, that wife at the time wasn't happy with the idea of going to different markets like you have to do in television yeah. production. And, uh, and wasn't happy with the amount of money I was making to start that journey. <laughs> so she was like, I had family. My dad was a police officer who was uh, killed in the line of duty when I was like three. So uh, the police department's always sort of been around my family and not like lurking like monsters, but I mean, just around, you know, it's sure. <laughs> right. they've been helpful to my family. And uh, so but she just said, why don't you try getting a job at the police department? And that's why I have that job. Gotcha. So I stepped away from the TV world doing that. And then like 15 years later, like when the DSLR revolution happened, like this was like 2009 or 10 around there. And I realized you could make video now that looked great. Yeah. When yeah. you can get shallow depth of field and you can put good lenses on on really pretty inexpensive cameras. Yeah. 
So I got like a Canon T2i for like 600 bucks and a, you know, a lens for like a few hundred bucks. So for, for an investment of under a thousand bucks, I was able to make, start making music videos. And uh, I just started doing it for fun and like working with Bruiser Queen and this band called Spectator, who's a really great band. And, yeah, um, yeah. And those got me started. And up until even now, it's like just those few videos I, I made originally, I've always gotten other gigs from the word of mouth from my previous gigs. So I've never had to like pitch gigs, oh, that's nice. awesome. which is great. That I, is to awesome. this day, I haven't like, con, you know, contacted somebody and said, Hey, you, I want to do, do a video. Cause I don't, I don't want to sell myself yet. <laughs> so, but that, you know, I'm trying to do this as a, as my sole job when I do my retirement from a day gig. So, uh, I'm needing to learn how to sell myself now. So that's my goal for the next four years. So, by yeah. the end of the today, I'll be selling you on something. Nice. Not, not true. Not true. <laughs> no, I see in our notes something blip blap. Is that your That's the company? video company, okay. yeah. Okay. That just comes from a, a catchphrase from when I was in Taipan Syndrome. Those guys were crazy. And in practice, they just start yelling stuff because, and you know, they're probably a little bit altered. <laughs> and they were just like being in the, in the middle of practice. They just start yelling out weird catchphrases and just weird things. And then they started yelling blip blap. And it just became this thing where we just start yelling blip blap at shows and at practices. And it meant nothing. <laughs> but I liked it so much. That, yeah, that that became Blip Blap Records and Tapes, and that's where we started putting records out, like the middle class fashion record and that okay. Typeance records all came out on Blip Blap Records and Tapes, and I just sort of that became sort of my thing because I was in charge of doing all the posters and all the art and all that stuff, and I just kind of kept it for my video stuff when I started it. Do you have a favorite video project that you've done so far? Um, there's only a few things I did. Like this, uh, my favorite one of those would be like I did this little making of. Uh, studio thing for Beth Bombara over oh, in this studio yeah. in, cool. in Illinois. And like, it's this great studio surrounded by cornfields. It's just this great, so so many opportunities to shoot cool shit. Yeah, sure. In a cornfield, and there's like some baby horses nearby. But that that's <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I'm trying to do more of those. I've done a few things, but I, what I really want to, I'm excited about now is, is getting into like narrative shorts. Sure. I'm not like saying, I don't want to make a movie because movies are monsters. And I have no, I don't have that kind of thing where I like would jump into something that big. So I'm just trying to, I've been kind of amassing this corral of actors that are interested in making shorts and like coming up with creative things and like any writer friends I'm always like you know if you have anything you want to you want to put together just talk to me because you know this kind of project it's like I don't care about getting paid let's just let's just do something yeah and make something great and we can use it for you know our our CV or whatever but uh, favorite videos probably I don't know the last I'm getting into like narrative type music videos that sure. aren't like traditional performance videos. Like I did one for this guy named Todd Sarvies, which I like a lot. And I just shot one for a guy named Tony Crown, who's a St. Louis and we shot in on Roosevelt Island in Manhattan. Wow. You ever seen the Roosevelt Island tramway? It goes from Manhattan to Roosevelt Island, which is just in the East River. And I saw this tramway in this movie called Nighthawks starring Sylvester Stallone yeah. and Rutger Hauer in like 1980 or something. I saw it as a kid, and I thought it was like the most New York thing. Because it's about this, this gritty New York cop movie. And it's actually pretty good. It's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, so that, that was like from the early part of that movie. And I just always, I saw it like 10 times when I was a kid. So I always wanted to do something on that, yeah. on that tramway. So we, we used it for this video. But uh, that, that was a Childhood lot of fun. Dream. Yeah, it's funny. Like just the things that excite you yeah. and you nerd out about, you can just like, well, I'd like to do something in that arena. So I've been like going to New York and, and working with a Boston artist who is like, Trying to get out of town, building clients. So I have, if I'm going to be based out of St. Louis, I want to be able to get, you know, I can get everywhere pretty cheaply and still live very cheaply. I just bought a home. So, uh, which I love. Yeah. And it's St. Louis, so it's fucking cheap as hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But yeah. So I'm trying to just build up clients out of town and, and work out there a lot. I'm going back next week to shoot a couple of videos in, in New York. Cool. 
that's my goal right now is just try to get out of town as much as possible. My kids both live in California now, so I'm, I'm starting to try to get clients out there now. So basically, I, want, I love traveling, so it's like I want to have projects in my trip so I can, it covers my traveling expense and I make money. It's nice, right? right? <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm going to uh, France and Italy in, in September. It's like, I should have got some gigs there. Man. You should have. That's too late now, but it's like, oh, man. Yeah, well, I've never been to either of those places, so it's like you don't want to like waste yeah, all day. Yeah, exactly. sure. You don't want to be working. working. So maybe next time, years. you know. But yeah, but like going to California, where I'm gonna be visiting my kids a bunch. It's like I want to be able to go there a bunch. So it's like yeah. you know, it'd be nice to cover some of those expenses and make some money and hang out with my kids because that's what I want to do. <laughs> kids. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite and least favorite parts when it comes to uh, shooting video? Don't really have a tedious part. Really? Yeah, I love I love doing that stuff. That's a the good only sign. bad part that about the awesome. only bad part about it's like being in a band. The only bad part about doing that is if you're doing it with people that aren't fun. If you're working with people that are are assholes, it's just not. It's going to be a, sure. a slog, you know. Yeah. If you're working with people that you are excited about working with, you know, everything's it's great. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's super fun, and I really enjoy editing, and I I love shooting. So it's like pre-production sometimes can be a little bit of a, of a pain in the ass if well here's the deal it's like some people require different amounts of pre-production sure, sure. some people will want to over pre-produce something and it's like they, they think they're making like you know citizen kane and it's like well we can make something great but it's like we don't need like 10 meetings before a shoot that's too much <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you're thinking too much on this <laughs> especially with this budget it's like you're acting like it's a million dollar budget it's not it's not yeah <laughs> so it's like i can give you like an extra day <laughs> to talk about this but for that amount of money it's like no so when you're filming is it you or do you have a crew with you i usually work either one man or with one pa okay. with a production assistant and I sometimes will hire, depending on the gig, if it's something that requires a crew, I will hire a few extra people. Okay. But for the most part, when I'm trying to like, the budgets are pretty low. So a lot of times it's just me, like the New York stuff I've done, it's just, just been me. Yeah. So like, there's no audio being recorded. So it's like, I don't need an audio crew. Oh. So I'm, and I'm shooting it. And, and basically I might like somebody else that's there, like another actor or somebody that's in the band, I might have them hold a light once in a while. I like just hold a little ring light or something. But I like to shoot in a real naturalistic style with the narrative stuff where it's, I don't require a big bay of lights. I'm not doing like a Beyonce video. Yeah. And I'd love to do that stuff eventually, but it's like, that's a whole different level of like, sure. um, you know, we need tens and tens of thousands of dollars in a budget or that's, yeah, that's something you go to. But I'm having a lot of fun with like a lot more naturalistic narratives and things like that. I got this camera this year that is a Sony mirrorless camera. Are you familiar with these? They're just great. They're like really super, super low light cameras where you can shoot. I shot this scene from this uh, play with some actors I know on the steps of a church where the only lights were like the street lights and it looks fantastic. And it's like, it looks fantastic. That's something I'd like to get into too. It's like shooting scenes from plays that are coming up as a promotion for the play, but not like on a set. In a realistic setting. Yeah. But just yeah. take one scene out of that with those actors and just put them in a different place, kind of like a little mini movie scene. Yeah. I wonder if that's something you could like talk to the people part of Shakespeare. I would love to. Yeah. I'm like, trying to. I do all like the Shakespeare in the street. Oh, and yeah. The, like any, the stuff throughout the entire year. Any theater people that would be interested in hiring me for something like that, that'd be, I'd be into that. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's like making a little mini movie of this thing. And it's not yeah. just like filming. The, I, I don't like filming theater on a stage because it's not meant to be filmed on a stage. Right. It's meant to be seen by an audience. Right. Yeah. And it just, it's always weird. And if you shot that, Without an audience and like I'm on stage and able to you know create shots and stuff to make it make more sense in, in as a movie, um, that's cool. But usually it's not the case. It's just right. like you know a wide shot or it's, it's kind of boring. But yeah, so this is something I'm excited about. Like you know if you know any theater people, let me know. 
I've been working with the ERA Theater Group. I don't know if they call themselves ERA or ERA. I always call them ERA. It's probably ERA. But it's <laughs> Lucy Cashon. She just she's a great, really kind of avant-garde theater director in town. And uh, she just did this project with Sleepy Kitty. Oh, nice. Uh, you know those guys. So it's like we. It may be a feature length. Wow. It may be just a bunch of vignettes. We're not sure yet. We've just been looking at the footage lately, and it's I'm very excited about it. <laughs> How do you find time to, like, go doing all these shoots and travel? And I don't you have time. Like, <laughs> so is your job a full-time job, like your daytime See, job? Yeah, my job is uh, I have, you know, a bunch of weeks of vacation because I've been there so long. I've been oh, there 25 okay. years. But also it's 12-hour days, so I get extra days off a week. So a lot gotcha. of times my travels could be, like, I can mix my, I push my days off together for two weeks. So it gives me like six days or it gives me like a week or whatever. And it's just like creative moving days around it. Yeah. My day job. They've been pretty they great about, that. yeah, they've been pretty great about that stuff. Do you have any directors or, or filmmakers that you really kind of look to stylistically or? I don't know. I, I can tell you who I definitely think is making great stuff now in a, in a commercial way is like Paul Thomas Anderson, I think is making great stuff. I, 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 I like his stuff a lot. Um, and he's, those of us who don't know who that is, what does he do? Oh, he did like, he started out with Boogie Nights. So that was his first big movie. And then okay. Magnolia, he did like The Master. And okay. he did this movie called uh, Inherent Vice last year, which I, I didn't see that. I was loved that good? It. Yeah, I, I forget the name of the, the author, but it's like, it's from this famous book. And it's like a different vibe than most anything else he's done before. It's just so weird and trippy and, and so much fun. And Walking Phoenix is the lead. He's just like stoner. It's so good. <laughs> but the two people I saw that with, which is Mick Boshans and my, my ex, we, they both fell asleep in the theater. And oh, I was like, man. I was like smiling wide awake, like excited about this movie the whole time through. And they were like, what the hell? So it's not for everyone, I guess. Sure. And in this movie he just did this year, which was the Phantom the Thread. Thread. Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. Yes, yes. So I saw that in my favorite theater in the world, which is the Music Box Theater in Chicago, which is this, it's the oldest uh, operating theater in Chicago. It's fantastic. I love it. So you got to see the 70 millimeter projection. Everything. It was awesome. I'm a movie nerd. But uh, <laughs> that third act, uh, there's, there's there's a weird change that happens. But it worked, I think, in that one. Mm. But it's like it makes the character act in a way that you have no idea why they're doing what they're doing. Because the character makes a shift that you would never have guessed this character would do. Which some people would say, well, that's betraying what that character has been so far. But it's like, eh, it didn't bother me so yeah. much. I, I, I still liked it. But it definitely does have a shift there where it's like, to me, that's interesting. <laughs> so do you write as well? Because doesn't he write a lot of this stuff? He, yeah, he's, he writes everything he does. Writes and directs. Yeah. So. I, no, I'm not. I, I was in a period of writing for a while. And then I started to write uh, short stories and stuff. And then I was writing. I was the live music editor for Playback, STL, for mm -hmm. like a long time. So that, that was fun. But I think that kind of burnt me out mm. for writing, period. Because yeah. it was like all this writing and writing became something that was like a chore and, and it was kind Not of, fun. Yeah. yeah. And I never really caught it back at all. So it's like, I'm trying to make friends with more writers now. So I can say, Hey, let's do, I can develop, develop stuff. Yeah. But it's really hard for me to have the confidence to say this idea is worth following right away. For music videos, it's easier, but like for something that like can really carry for more than a song, you know? I'm, I'm really actually glad you, okay, I'm not glad that you got burnt out on writing, but I'm <laughs> glad hearing that because that's been uh -huh. my big reason why I haven't pursued writing as a like full career, like uh -oh, having yeah. my day job be writing related because everyone's like, oh, you have an MFA in creative writing. Like you're mm -hmm. going, why you like, why aren't you writing to be paid? I'm like, 
because I want to write for the things I want to write. And if I have to write all day, every day, I'm not going to do any of those projects ever. I know I won't. Right. So I'm glad to hear. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Other God, people yeah, end up feeling so that way. Out. I just couldn't <laughs> do it anymore. It made me like not want to listen to new music either. Oh, man. It was like, they would just give you these piles of records. And at first you're like going, oh, free records and oh, free concert tickets. And then you go, oh, then you have to write this review, which is fun. I, I really enjoyed writing for a while. But then when you would get like a bunch, do it once and all, over and over and over again. Mm. And then that job was hard because it's like I was also editing all of the things that came to me. And you have a lot of, you had good writers working there. You had the great writers like my friend Jason Green, who ended up like taking that thing over and turning it into like this comic workhorse because he brought all these great comic people in there. There were great writers and they're like writers that shouldn't really been writing. But yeah. it was like, that's how this thing goes because yeah. it was like a local zine, you know? Sure. And those were like, I'm like rewriting. So I was writing my, writing my stuff right, and rewriting yeah. a bunch of their stuff. And it was like that just became exhausting. Yeah. When you're feeling down, is there anything that lifts you back When you're up. feeling down. Um, is there anything that lifts you back up? Uh, I'd say Taylor Swift, perhaps. Really? <laughs> like looking at her or listening oh, to her? No. <laughs> I, I'm not like... No, I, I, here's my here's my guilty pleasure, which I don't believe in guilty pleasures. No, guilty no. pleasures are silly. You like I, what you like. I'm a huge fan of both these last two records by Taylor Swift. Really? I love them. Yes. I went and met my friend Matt Meyer and I. Matt Meyer from Finn's Motel and Dead Bugs. He's like this punk, old punker from the 80s, 90s. Awesome dude. Uh, he called me the day of, because we both love the 1989 record. Mm. I do like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drop everything on there. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, the only things I've heard from her newish album have been the ones on the radio, and I have yeah, not. Yeah, the first one those. turned me off. It was because it's, it's that more dancey world that she's trying to be. Here's the thing: she's trying to be like edgy and be like yeah. more like a Rihanna type or something. But she's such a dork, yeah. and like if you listen to, but even those songs she's trying to be edgy have parts where she's doing like the talking shit. Yeah, which I think is that's her to a T. So it's like. That makes it so fun to me. It's like, oh, she's still the same dork. She's just trying this That's other shit out. That's my favorite part of Shake It Off. Oh, yeah, it's so silly. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That is a song that will always put me in a oh, good mood. Oh, yeah. Head. That's Sh the one that my ex, I, I would, if I was stressed out, my ex would like put that on and just sing it to me while, along with the record and like that. That's why I was thinking of that. Carly Rae Jepsen's that for me. Yeah. I, I haven't really got on that train yet, but uh, uh, I know it's in the same world for yeah. sure. And Middle class fashion covered that Call Me, Call Me Maybe, Maybe. song and for Pride Fest, for a few tours, for Pride Fest shows we were doing. <gasps> well, do you have any social media stuff to for folks to find your videos and to find yeah. Wolf Thunder stuff um, and well, maybe some No Thunder? Liplapvideo.com is the website for uh, for Liplap video stuff. And I'm also on Facebook. And, uh, and because it's radio channel. and you might not hear what we're saying, that's blip blop with a B as in boy. Yeah, B-L-I-P, B-L-A-P, video.com. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, there's no No Thunder yet. I'm just using my regular Brian McClelland uh, Facebook page. But the Woe Thunder page is just like, it's on Facebook. We don't have a website. <laughs> yeah. yeah, We don't have that stuff anymore. I mean, is there is a... Is it necessary? Right, yeah. I don't know. I feel like... I, I, I have definitely stepped back from music a little bit as I've gotten into the video stuff. And also I'm getting older. But it's like, I also made the, the record I'm most proud of ever in the last year so it's like I hate to, like to not, not be giving the attention yeah. to this thing that I that I really I guess I didn't really promote it really mm -hmm. you know I got some good a few reviews that were good and it was fun but I didn't really push it we didn't do any like touring and stuff and it's just because everyone's getting older and it just didn't seem like it made any sense yeah. it's funny how like when you get to the, your best stuff of your life is when you start to like well do we put all this time and effort into it although yeah, right. I did for these records I wasn't that crazy about yeah you know well I was crazy about all of them I guess but. <laughs> 
that's how it goes, right? Yeah. You always think the new thing's great. <laughs> this record's going to be so dope. <laughs> well, I guess it's about that time. Oh. We really appreciate having you and, Thanks and for stopping by. Thanks for having a blast, guys. <laughs> Do you have a Woe Thunder tune that we can kind oh, of yeah. ride out on? Certainly. Um, why don't you do uh, Just a Few Things to Do? Just a Few Things to Do. Yeah. All right. IdiotX has done a lot of loving to us on that song. Cool. for listening to this week's episode of Good Morning Space America. Send us questions and comments on Twitter at CalamityCast, hashtag SpaceMerica, or send us an email to CalamityCastNetwork at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at CalamityCastNetwork or on Facebook at CalamityCast. Find episodes of this and other great shows at CalamityCast.com or wherever you find your podcasts. We'll be back in two weeks with more CalamityCast interviews and tomfoolery. So see you soon. Bye. Bye. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Calamity Cast.